studio with Unleashed. And remember, we are the resistance. And man, every week we love bringing you messages of thunder, you know, in Christ and hope. And just today's going to be a really, really special uh, podcast. I can't wait for it. Um, I'll tell you about my guest in, in just a second. Um, old friend. I mean, like really old. But <laughs> okay, he's younger than me. But anyhow. Eric, you got a question for us this week. I do. This is a question that I actually had personally. Okay. Oh, we got a personal question. <laughs> Dear oh, poops. Boy. Dear poops? Yep. <clears throat> so uh that's not like Dear Abby. No, not like Dear Abby. <laughs> okay. So I've got a great Dane at home and around the summertime around our pool and stuff, I'm constantly dealing with these massive, you know, oh, yeah. great Dane. So I started thinking about the size of a deer. So our deer running around, leaving these giant cow size poops all over the woods. Yeah, if you've if you've seen that in the woods, you probably do have a great dane because deer poop is like you know the size of your thumbnail, and there's about you know twenty of them in a little bundle. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Now I can tell you a story. So I was in, uh, I was in what was it? Was it Ukraine? I was there years ago doing music. And Tom, I think this was before you and I met. This was back in the 90s. And I'm doing music for this evangelist. And so he, we're like in this soccer stadium, right? And this guy had been walking his Great Dane out in this field. I didn't think anything of it in the soccer field. And there was a stage. So I'm backstage, and it's about time for me to get ready to go up there. They were doing like a prayer before I was going to come up and start playing and singing. And I step in it. And it's Great Dane poop. Oh. And I'm telling you, it's ankle deep. It's big. I mean, this is massive. And I had like these kind of, you know, lower. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I'm standing there. And this one guy who was like our bus driver saw it. And he sees me like, because I've got a guitar around my neck. And I'm like shaking my foot. And he comes up and takes it off and cleans it off with his hand and gives it to me. And he goes mm. back and washes his hand. And you talk about servanthood. He knew you know, the, the, the moment all these people are going to be there, you know, hearing the music and, and the gospel and all this stuff. And in that moment, you got to do what you got to do. And he realized I couldn't. And he just comes up, grabs my shoe, cleans it off, gives it back to me. Wow. We didn't That's shake hands great. later, but that was okay. It was good. And yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's guest is, um, did you ever have one of those guys that you haven't seen in two or three years and for some of you guys who are hunters, you know, like at hunting camp, you have your buddies you see every year. But we can see each other. It hasn't been, you know, three, four years, and just instantly, you know, a smile, you know, breaks on your face. Yeah. You give the guy a hug, and you just – there was a deep soul connection. And uh, so today is is one of those guys in my life. It's um, Tom Bench. And, Tom, um, tell us about you a little bit, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with about kind of how we met, but tell us a little bit about – about you well that's a loaded question um currently right now i serve as the senior pastor of a church in redmond oregon i'm married to my beautiful wife nicole we've been together 27 years we have two adult daughters um, I'm a former gym owner and, and law enforcement officer. 
and and uh, I'm 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 a son of the king. That's deep. He is so humble because if you could see this guy now, now Tom's he's like five foot six, hundred and fifty pounds wet. Um, you know, just real push push over, real you know that one of those guy. Tom, how tall are you? Six six. Six four. Six, six four, four. Okay, and you probably yeah. weigh in at what? I mean, right now a little, little heavier than I'd like to be. About two ninety five. Wow. We came in today and I was telling Eric, um, I said, man, this dude, he's huge. He's one of those guys, you know, when, when he walks in the room, everybody just kind of looks at him and like, did this guy like play NFL football? You know, just, just huge. But that's the thing I love about Tommy. You can already tell his heart is as big as he is, if not even bigger. So Tom, the first time that we met, um, now I, I was told about you being in the church. This was like two, February of 2003, I think, is when I met you, because I was able to track it down, and you can probably figure out how I got the date right. Um, I had been told okay. about we had this officer, you know, if you ever need an officer, you know, kind of a thing in the church. And it was the second service. Now, it's cold out. And there had been a college choir. I know you, you know where I'm going with this story. So there's this college choir performing, and I'm sitting in the front row. I wasn't leading worship that morning. And what, from your viewpoint, what did you see happen? Man, I, re I remember that day. I remember s sitting in the congregation, and there was this guy that just walked in the church, sauntered up the, the aisle, leather jackets, uh, sunglasses and he's got, got a bow in his hand and he climbs up on stage but but nobody's doing anything yeah. you know and uh and, and i didn't want to be i didn't want to be that guy right right <laughs> you know it's like what in the world is going on here and uh and he shouts something from the stage but i i couldn't really hear him and then when he walked off, you walked up. And I remember in my mind trying to, you know, come up with an explanation, trying to trying to make it all fit. And and, and I kind of remember thinking, well, Brent is going to fix his his mic, because I couldn't hear him. And <laughs> and he comes down the aisle past me. You come down the aisle past me, and you just point at me. You just kind of point at me, and I jump up because I'm. It's wrong. It's all wrong. And uh, we met the guy at the front door with a bunch of other guys from the church. And yeah, so that was our our first real yeah connection. Yeah, when I had gone up, connection. you know, when he was walking off, it's because he saw me coming around the other side. And so then I go down the aisle oh. past him, and that's when he, when I first went out into the thing, he's cussing at me, and he had just told the audience that he was an angel and that death was going to come to everybody that wouldn't repent. That's what he was yelling that you couldn't hear because the choir was still singing. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, we, that was on another yeah. episode. We talked it about was, that. It was pretty wild. It was a, that's how we met. That was the first time. It's like, if you ever had that guy in your life, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd like to have some backup. Who's got my six here? I mean, Tom's like, 
four guys worth of six. But uh, you know, that's that was in that was in Meadville, Pennsylvania, and you that's where you were an officer, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, so sir. your journey. Fifteen years. Is it been? Is that when you moved? Has it been that long? Uh, I've been in Redmond, Oregon, seventeen years. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I moved away in, in the spring of 2007. That's when it was. But the, the connection, again, in that, let me just kind of go back. Some of the guys that came out to the lobby that day were guys in the men's group that we had going there at the church. And this is one of the things that I love is when you need your brothers to step up. You know, we had a, a buddy of mine on here, uh, um, Ken Dodson. I think you might have talked with Ken. He used to do play with the Colts and the yeah. Broncos and the training camp and everything. And and uh, he's another one of those those guys you want in your corner. But when we had the men's group there, it was just really beautiful because, can I say beautiful? Um, mm-hmm. These guys, no matter what was going on, they're going to be in your corner. And I think I love it because when you get a group of men that you can make it safe because you're not afraid to talk about your own stuff, that, that you really do have a bond that just goes beyond the norm because a lot of guys, we just – we don't want people to see our weaknesses. We don't know know anything about us. And what ends up happening is we carry those temptations or those secrets in us because we're afraid we're not going to be good enough. And then the next thing you know, you know, everything can explode in a moment. And I, I've shared my story on here before, you know, from being back there. And, you know, I loved, I loved those years. I loved the men's group. Loved it. Worship you know, leading for me was kind of like, eh, it was kind of secondary because I just love doing battle for the hearts of men. And the day that I moved back to Indiana, I'll never forget it. Was, I was there because I had taken the family back. And some of those guys from the men's group knew that I was leaving, and they showed up and helped me load everything into that truck. And I you know, remember Glenn um, and Rich and uh, Jerry and Bob, some of these guys all showed up. And when we left, you know, there, that one of the movies, we always like to watch movies, you know, with the, with the men's group. But we had done the, you know, like the whole Wild at Heart series. But we went through, you know, of course, Braveheart and Gladiator and all those things. But when, when I left, you know, all of us were, were in tears because there was a brotherhood. And I'll never forget, you know, um, guys just saying strength and honor. Because that was, of course, from Gladiator. And, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember, but, but there was a time, you know, with Nicole and I, uh, I, I tell people we don't argue. We we intensely fellowship, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I gotta remember I, that one. I, <laughs> I, I think you know we were having some difficulty, and I remember picking up the phone and calling you, and you said, "All right." Uh, and it might have been like 11 o'clock at night and you came over and you got me, took me and talked to me and just got me settled down and back in it. And, and there was no, there was no judgment. There's no judgment. There was just trying to navigate the, the, uh, the challenge of being a husband, doing it right. And I'll never forget that. So thank you. I remember that night. I do. There's just something about when you have a chance to 
because you, we all know ourselves. We all know that we are capable of, of anything given the perfect storm. You know, um, how did you say that again? Right. In, in fellow, with your wife, what was that called again? Intensely, in, intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. I got to remember that. Um, but we all know that we're capable of intense fellowship. And, you know, it's in those moments that we need, uh, you know, someone who can neutralize a situation to walk in that doesn't have a dog in the hunt that cares about, you know, both of you guys. And to be able to just step in there and say, hey, you know what? Um, both of you right now are struggling because you're acting exactly how you should be acting because of your stories. You're both feeling things intensely and passionately. And you both want to know you're cared for. You both want to know that you're, you're being heard. So, yeah, that was a, I remember that night. It was a joy to be able to step in there, as difficult as sometimes those situations uh, can be. Um, you know what's funny is, oh, go I ahead, Tom. With, no, no, I was going to say, I, th I think with men, uh, what's difficult is that maybe you've, you've stepped into that once or twice before, and it didn't. It didn't go well. Somebody, somebody judged you. Somebody condemned you, and, and so what you do is you're left to kind of battle that on your own. And and you didn't do that. You you met me. You met me right where I was at, and I knew you cared about me. I knew you cared about Nicole. I knew you cared about our marriage, and that and that was powerful for for us. It, and as we walk alongside couples today, we've taken that lesson with, with us and, and we're for them. We're for each of them individually and we're also for their marriage. There's something beautiful too when you've so. been there and you've been through those situations. You know, it's, it, I can only thing I can relate is, I don't know if you remember from, um, what was the, uh, was it Saving Private Ryan? You know, I relate to movies. But it's, it's kind of like these guys have, mm -hmm. they're battle-weary. They've been on the front lines, and they see all these guys marching in that had just gotten off the plane. They're as green as could be. And one of the guys is kind of teasing them, and another guy's like, hey, man, you know, come alongside these guys. You know, they have no clue what they're getting ready to face here. And I think that's one of the things I love about getting older is when you have made your, your mistakes and your successes, you can use it all mm -hmm. to be able to love someone and say, you know what, been there, done that. Um, you're going to make it through this. But there's going to be some work we're going to need to do, like all of us have to do. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right here no matter what. Right. I, I, I think the right. first time you and I actually had a conversation other than, hey, you're getting on and calling the police station when that guy comes in with a bow. Um, you, I don't know if you remember this. You came in, and I was just kind of asking you about you a little bit. And you were talking to me about you know, when you were playing um, basketball. Now, you didn't – were you All-American? I'm trying to remember what you – where back then? I was an all-conference guy. All-conference guy. Uh, yeah, I was an all-conference guy. I never, never kind of broke through to that all-American status. But I, was an all guy. But I, I remember coming in and we were talking about, because we had been going through the father wound in the Wild at Heart series. And again, you know, some of you guys that you go through the, the father wound stuff, a lot of guys kind of get mad and going, man, are you trying to pick on my father here? It's like, no. Even if your father didn't intentionally ever try to hurt you, it could have been one small thing. He was busy with mm -hmm. something. And at that moment, he couldn't be interrupted, and you felt like he didn't care about us. But we went in there, and you were talking about, um, and again, you say whatever you, you want to say with this, but I can remember us sitting there and saying, you know, the one thing I always wanted to do 
was make my dad proud, but I never felt, no matter how good of a game that I played, that I was good enough. Yeah, and it was, it was my, it was my stepdad, uh, my real dad. Mom and, mom and dad divorced when I was about five, and, and so he was he was in and out of my life. So it was my it was my stepdad that was okay. the guy that was the father figure in my life. And, and it was tough because no matter what I did, it seemed like he always found something that I could have done better. And I, I always hated coming home after a game because no matter how good I was or how good I played, he always had a problem. And, um, and I never realized until later in my life, how much that was fueling me to um, never have someone be able to say I wasn't enough. And it led to almost an obsessiveness in everything that I did. And I never realized how much that was fueling me most of my life. We were on a, uh, a men's thing we did it was you and I, and I can't remember who all the guys, I think Dale that used to be there. He was the custodian there. I think rich. Oh, you're talking. Sorry. I don't even see you there. We have oh, some video yeah. feed. If you see me talking over him, there's some video feed stuff going on. So I'm not sure when he was talking there, we'll get it fixed. Um, but we had gone on a, uh, a horseback riding excursion. Boy, Tom knows where I'm going with this. And so what I called, what I called this place, they said, now, now, what's the weight of each guy? Because we can't have anybody over 250 pounds on one of these horses. I said, you don't understand. This guy is probably 285, but if that horse has problems, he'll pick the horse up and carry the horse back. So I knew that he was a little bit, you know, I was like, eh, a little weird with the horses. But So I also knew one thing that a lot of people probably don't know. Tom doesn't like spiders. <laughs> it's so... I get there and I tell the person that's going to be giving us the instructions. I said, hey, he doesn't like spiders. And I want you to do me a favor. And I want you to tell him, hey, be really careful because there's these horse spiders that like crawl up back under the belly and you can't see them. And they're not real dangerous, but they're pretty big and they can be pretty scary. And you're like, when to like, dude, I am going to kill you. <laughs> you remember that? I, I think spiders are aliens from another planet. Sent here to torture me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny. You have this bohemoth of a man afraid, you know, and it wasn't even a horse spider. It was, you know, we're just making stuff up. But when you were talking about, you know, being driven, uh, you, we get to this restaurant. I think we had a flat tire. And so we go and we eat at this place while we're waiting. And I noticed when you went in, you asked us after we sat down, and of course, you're facing the door, you're facing everything, you're sitting in a way you can see the entire room. And for most of us, we're not thinking that way, but you are. And you said, uh, what did you guys notice about the room when we came in here? Like, uh, there was a pool table. You said, yep, how many balls are on the table? I'm like, what? <laughs> but you're, you're already scanning this room, you know, just in case, which is so funny because that morning at the yeah. church, you're just kind of like, I'm not going to be that guy. But you were ready. You, you know, like I said, again, it was, everything was wrong. I knew it was wrong. I didn't know why it was wrong, 
and I I think I you know I I trusted you and I trusted some other guys that were there, the other police officers that went to court, and nobody was responding, and so you 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 try to reel it in, like okay, what am I not getting? What do I understand? And, uh, but I was ready. Oh, and I'm sure you've you've been in so many circumstances. I'm sure being in law enforcement and everything else you've done. I've I've got a photo still in my phone saved of you. You've got some guy tucked underneath, and you, he's got a knife, and you're disarming him. You know that picture I'm talking about. I might have to post that. I might have to do that yeah, with this yeah. training picture. Yep, it was a training picture. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, we were talking about the uh, um, the Band of Brothers, and then we would do that series, that HBO series, after we would do Wild at Heart, and. Talking about the father wound, um, I posted, you know, I've got a uh, kind of a private Facebook. It is a private Facebook page for guys. It's called Unleashed Men. And I had put something on there, a question a few days ago. I said, hey, guys, um, this isn't to pick on our fathers or anything, but to say what about that relationship with your father? What in it did you ever find that maybe you want to do differently or maybe you were hurt by it again so we can we can learn from each other basically? And, you know, guys, they'll, they'll get on there. They'll like something. You know, they'll put a picture of a fish they caught. You know, just something. And this time it was different. I mean, it lit up. And I, I sat down right before I came in here, and I went back to that, that feed. And, again, without saying anybody's name, some of the responses, um, it was like they said, you know, a, let me just I, – actually, I've kind of got them on a little thing over here. Um, I'll just read them. You know, dad degrading his son. Or a dad jealous of his son, a dad telling his son he was disappointed in him, um, you know, never saying he was proud of him, never spending time with him. Um, one one guy talked about his dad the way he introduced him to porn, um, you know, and that can become something that can become a you know a lifelong addiction. But it just kept going, going. One guy said that when he received Christ, his dad disowned him, and they never reconciled. And so we know that that fathers, um, boy, we hold a big role. You've got two girls. And I've seen the, you know, the pictures of you guys, and I have no doubt the kind of dad that you were. But I think we all kind of feel, but was I? Because knowing how you can be, like, making sure you're doing everything to perfection. Um, yeah, me too, if hmm. I'm honest. But did we do can it I, right? Yeah, can go, I, can go I talk. share something? Yep. Um, so I, I've got these two fathers in my life. Uh, my stepdad, who... My mom married when uh, five or six, and he was in my life until I went to college at 17. Um, and I really, you, you know, when I could leave home, I made it a point to not go back home for because of the relationship that he and I had. My real dad, we, we, we engage each other off and on. And, and he was a part of my life um, here and there. But when people ask me about my dad, my real father, I have one single memory. Um, I'm, I'm training cops and soldiers all over the country. I'm doing a class in Pennsylvania. I drive to Virginia, teach a class all day and I'm going to drive home and it's nine hours from where I live in PA. I'm tired. I get done with this class about 
you know, six o'clock at night, I'm exhausted. I call my dad on the phone and he says, uh, he had a funny way of talking to me. And, uh, I'm, I'm the fourth. And he said, uh, four, he would call me four. <laughs> what are you doing? And, and, uh, and I'd say, uh, I said, I'm driving home dad from where? And I said, I'm driving home from Virginia. And he says, well, how far is that from home? And I said, it's about nine hours or so. So we started talking. I said, dad, I got to stop and get gas. He says, call me as soon as you get back in the car. And so I called my dad when I get back in the car. And my dad talked to me for nine hours so that so that I wouldn't fall asleep. Ugh. So that's the memory that I have of my dad. And um, wow. When I needed him to be there, he was there. So, so that's my, that's my dad memory. So. You know, I can talk to guys about anything, but as soon as you start talking about dads, I was, I was with a, I, actually I was with a, a former police chief, a state policeman and two other guys. And we were sitting around one night and I was talking about um, this subject. And uh, mm -hmm. one of my, my close friends who was an officer, he said, uh, and I, I won't get as colorful, but he said, I hate that SOB. I wish um, he was, no, he said, I'm glad he's six feet under the ground. And it broke my heart. Wow. It broke my heart. You know, you know, my wife, Stacy, you haven't had a chance to meet her. You know, I wish you could, but she, uh, she never knew who her dad was. Um, she has a really tough story. You know, her mom was going through struggles of her own and, and, and abandoned, you know, the girls. But that father wound, even in, in Stacy to this day, it's, it's deep, and she doesn't even, because she never knew who her father was. You know, he was a Vietnam vet, and, and years later he passed away from Agent Orange. But that void is so big. And my dad, and I've talked to the guys I love to hunt on here, my dad knew nothing about hunting. I mean, he knew nothing. But he cared about me. Mm -hmm. And even though he didn't know anything about hunting, he would allow himself to be in a situation where he could look dumb, because he knew nothing about it and it didn't matter. He cared about me. Yeah. How and I've I've talked about this before in here. How much would I love to be able to go back? Hmm. Well, as a like, as you know, like I said, no oh, go, brother. Uh, my my real dad. Every every time I ever talked to him, he always told me how proud he was of me always uh, my real dad even even though there were things that i was missing because he wasn't in my life every every interaction that we had especially later in my adult life it, it was always i'm i'm proud of you uh, i believe in you i you're going to do great things in the world. And 
so yeah well while i know that there's things that are missing because he wasn't always fully in my life every opportunity that he got to be in my life he really i think needed a point to to speak identity to me uh, speak intimate intimacy to me he always told me that he loved me always always told me that. so um I, i'm i'm thankful for that um where where with my stepfather it was it, it was it was different it was it was really it was really hard and it's unfortunate that the negatives sometimes stick to us more than the positives yeah do i've been really trying to do something in my life a little bit different and that's to not really think about um, yeah, do we have the negatives? Can we learn from the negatives? Yeah, and everybody's got them, and everybody makes mistakes. But to be able to right. use empathy and understand that when a person makes a mistake, their story has has painted a picture. Their their experiences have shaped how they believe. What they believe is important. What they don't believe is important. Trust. Sometimes being afraid to move into someone's life. Maybe maybe you're a dad listening to this right now, and you're kind of like, you know what, I've been. I've been distant from my, my, my son or my daughter, and, and I'm afraid you know, to try to move forward, how they might respond you know, to me. Well, you know what? They're probably going to respond maybe, maybe in, a, in, a, in a difficult way at first because they want you. They want you in their life, and they're afraid you're going to leave, so you're probably going to see yeah. there's going to be that wall up there. Um, but you have it in you to push through that, and you can. Uh, but you have to know who your identity is, and sometimes, you know, one of the things I was taught years ago that when we ask for forgiveness, it's not just enough to say, hey, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? But it's really important to be able to say, I know that I hurt you, and I'd like you to tell me how what happened affected you because I care. And it's going to be hard to hear that sometimes, not for the feeling of, of you know, being shamed or anything, but to enter into their suffering, that wound that is so core to them, and nurture that is probably one of the greatest trust builders that you can do to, to get that relationship, um, you know, back as, as, as much as you can. And you can't look back. You can't look at the mistakes. Sure. You can learn from them, but to keep moving forward. And every day now, Tom, it's, it's you know, you and I, when we would get together, like at the shot show or whatever, we kind of always tell each other what we've been learning, what God had been telling us, right? And I, I know mm-hmm. um, I've had a lot of... Um, ego, a lot of pride, different things that I've had to not just swallow, but eradicate. And I can't do that myself. It had to be Christ in me. And I thank God for the broken moments in my life that brought humility, that helped me understand my identity didn't come from the bad or the good, but that it comes because like you said, I'm a child of the King. And now, and one of the books, I don't know if you've ever started writing it, but you and I talked about this. When we can take all those things now and use them for good, we become the tip of the spear. And that's one of the things you used to always say mm-hmm. was that, you know, being that tip of the spear, we're not just here. We get to be a part of this incredible battle that God has for us. You, you, you know, Brent, uh, one of the things that I, I've embraced, and I'm not sure where it came from, but 
it, it goes like this. Healing is married to unlearning. Mm. And what allowed me to survive as a, a 14-year-old boy whose stepdad threw him through a wall and trying to navigate that, right? I'm carrying that into my later life. And what I learned as a 14-year-old boy in that environment allowed me to survive. But it's not allowing me to survive later in my life. So I had to unlearn things so that I could heal and realize I'm, I'm not that 14 year old boy anymore. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not under the thumb of this, this man who's got his own stuff that he's working out with me. Right. When I look back now, I realize that um, I'm not mad at him anymore. Uh, he was, he was working out his own wounds. And I just happened to be the recipient of him really not knowing who he was. And once you can get to that place where you can say, I don't, I don't have to behave this way. Anymore. I don't have to think about the world this way anymore. And and unlearn those things that allowed you to maybe make it when you needed to, you can heal. That is so big. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Um, you know, you've you've gone from, you know, law enforcement and there's a lot of things that people out there don't know about you. Um you know, I, there's that video feed thing going on again, and, and sometimes I can't tell if you're talking or not. So if I step on you, I'm so sorry. Um, we got to get this bug worked no, out, whatever it is. Um, a lot of things people don't know about you. Um, you know, all your martial arts training and your, you know, your pistol shooting and all that stuff. You know, tournament. You know, all that that stuff. Um, but as you've kind of taken that hat, and you still do some of those things, but you know, the gym owner, all that stuff power lifter and everything. I mean, like you said, he, he takes everything to extreme and he's an amazing guy, but I think that's why it's going to make you such an effective and, and are being such an effective pastor. What, when you think about like when you're at church right now with everything that you're doing, what has all that stuff that you've been through helped you with to, to lead effectively? Because it's one thing to have that physical presence. And I've heard guys say, you know, when you see a guy walk into the room that's in shape, there's an immediate respect for that guy. Cause you know, it takes an incredible amount of work to get to that. And most people will never achieve that. I mean, you've helped train me from afar with stuff, you know, going through things. Um, but what with, of all the stuff that you have learned, because you, I, whenever I think of Tom, I think of the, I want to say gentle giant, but I also know you could rip anybody's head off like on the count of one. But you don't. You do the opposite. You're able to move into their world and use that strength, which I think makes people feel safe. 
And why would a guy that of this size and these accolades and all these things trade that hat in to be, you know, shepherding this this flock of people? And I would just love because it's been a while since I've really talked since you've been doing that. What what have you brought to wow. the table with all that? That's that's a really deep question. I'll, I'll try to move from a surface level and then down in a little bit. I think just on the outside, um, as a shepherd, one of my calls is to protect. And so, so much of my life has been about being a protector. And so I, I think that in many ways, that's just a very natural outflow being a shepherd uh, of, a, of a church, of a flock of people, that I'm there to protect them. I think going down a little bit deeper, I believe God has wired me um, empathetically. I, I feel really, really deep. And so I, I look at people and I almost feel those points of tension and, and uh, pressure and uh, turmoil. And, and as a police officer, whether the person was breaking the law, or they were the victim of crime, they were experiencing the worst of the human condition at that moment, whether they were contributing to it or they were suffering from it. And so as a, as a pastor, I, I realized that very often people are reacting to life and going back to what we just talked about, they've, they've learned to survive. They, they have this set of skills that allow them to get to a certain point, but they haven't learned to grow past that. And what we both know is that the closer we get to Jesus, he changes things. And, and so my job as a, as a shepherd, my call as a shepherd is to make it um, comfortable, make it accessible that people can get to Jesus. I don't, I don't fix anybody. I don't fix a single person. I, I, I simply go, when somebody goes, I'm struggling, I'm scared, I'm hurt. I go, I know a guy and let's, mm. let's get to him. Let's get to him. And, uh, and, and, and I feel then what I want to do is help them keep them safe, make them, uh, not make them, but make sure the environment is one where they know they belong uh, and they're accepted, um, even in their struggle. 
And so that's um, how, how I think about it. Approach. You know, I have no doubt that um, the people that are under your shepherding and that you're walking with every day um, know they are loved beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, I think the way there was a, there was a line from um, Gladiator. And here we go, back to the movies again. But I think it is so important because when I'm thinking about our journey, just having you on here, buddy, I miss you. I I really do. I connect. You know, there's something. It's Jesus, like what we just talked about. A lot of guys are like, what do you mean you connect because of Jesus? There's there's the acceptance, the identity. There's just that. I, I think about the disciples and the relationship. You know, those guys going out and doing battle together. You know, you and I are probably 3,000 miles apart, but we're still the tip of the spear. We're out there doing what God has called us to do. We're going to face stuff. We're going to have marital things because the enemy is going to come after us. There's going to be health issues. That was me last week. I was in the ER last week with BP stuff going on. It's like, what is this? Um, Stress. Yeah. But that line is, and you you probably remember Russell Crowe. You know, he's out there and he tells his men, Man, what we do in this life echoes in the halls of eternity. Echoes. And that legacy, I've never been one to really think about legacy because I'm thinking it's all about Jesus. It is about Jesus. That's the legacy. That's what we're passing on. It's not the accolades and things that we've done. Those things, in one generation, they'll be forgotten. But to be able to keep focused on, on Christ and that's what we've been doing, and I think that's exactly what this whole band of brothers is what I, I really wanted this to be about today because when you have Christ at the center of those men that you're hanging out with, you've got each other six. You will show up for each other because you've been there, and you want them to know no matter what, um, I got you covered here. So anything you wanted to kind of add as we kind of close here? Or? You, you know, you, you like the movie quotes. And so do I. And as we think about a band of brothers um, in the movie 300, at, at the end of the movie, when the Spartans are, you know, being decimated by the Persians, there's this scene where this young um, uh, warrior is lying on the ground and he crawls over to Leonidas and he says my king my king it is an honor to die at your side and most men would go that's the noble thing right that's the that's the thing I'm dying on the field of battle with the king right and Leonidas looks at the young warrior and he says, it has been my honor to have lived at yours. And I think that that's is what is at the, the center of a band of brothers. It's, it's, it's you. You and I know that part of the story that is Tom Benj is Brent Henderson. That's part of this is that's part of the story. 
And uh, that's what we we have to be willing to step into that more and more and more that my life is better because you're in it. And hopefully your life is better that I'm in it. And, and that's what we do. We live shoulder to shoulder and we live shield to shield. And we say, we're advancing the kingdom because we know who we are. We know whose we are. And uh, yeah, that's what I would add. <laughs> well, this, this whole Unleashed podcast, it's Unleashed is about um, your identity. You've been unleashed to go and do this. And, and had we not risked, you know, sharing our stories and living life together, um, we wouldn't be a part of each other's life. And so I want to say this to the guys out there too, man. Maybe you're those guys that's like, you know what? I just don't like to get kind of too close to other guys. I don't want them to kind of know my stuff. Well, you're missing life. Life was created for relationships. That's why it's here. And so I'm going to go back and I want to kind of end this with a, a quote I've used before. And it was um, a buddy of mine who wrote a book called The Cure. And one of the, uh, the things in there that he says is, imagine a place so safe that you can share the worst about yourself and actually be loved more, not less, for the telling of it. So Tom and I know each other. He even shared about how coming over to his house one night at 11 o'clock at night, they were going through some rough spots. Tom knows my personal shipwreck. We've, we've talked about it, it's been in my books. I, I don't care who knows because I'm free. I'm identified by one thing and one thing alone, and that is Christ is in me, as Paul says in Galatians 2. I'm no longer driven to impress others because Christ is in me. So I just want to encourage you guys, um, stay close to your brothers. Um, there's nothing more important than, than strengthening each other so we can finish well. Because like we were saying, um, what we do in this life echoes in the halls of eternity, and that is all about Jesus. So Tom, buddy, I miss you. And uh, we will see each other hopefully before too long. I would love that, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys, we will see you next time. And remember, we are the resistance, and it's because of Christ in us. See you next time.